0: Welcome to listen to Leading Energy podcast. I'm Nina Karlsson. With me, I have Heli Bachmann hosting this episode and we have a special guest today, a German professor, Dr. Nico Rose. Uh, he is a professor in organizational psychology in Dortmund and also human resources executive and a keynote speaker. And We are talking today about relational energy, among other things. Welcome, Nico.
1: Thank you. Hi there.
0: Great to have you here. Thank you. And first of all, it would be very nice to know, how did you end up with energy?
1: how did I end up with energy? So as you've already mentioned, I'm a psychologist by by background. This was what I studied in my undergraduate and graduate degrees. And I've been in human resources for basically all my life before becoming a professor. So I I like the the human side of business. Uh, This is what I'm really interested in. Sometimes people think that this is like the the soft factor, but I always believe that the soft things are the really hard things. Mm-hmm. And I just one additional information that might explain why I'm so, so interested and, and keen on talking about that is I got my, my PhD a little bit afterwards in a management accounting and controlling. So I was a psychologist and I went to work in a large business for, for two years but I didn't really know a lot of things about business and business sciences and I didn't speak the the lingo. So I chose uh, like like a pure play business environment for my my PhD and I ended up at a chair of management accounting and and controlling, like really the bean counters, the, the, the guys and sometimes women that get down to the nitty-gritty and the numbers, and this has really shaped my my thinking and my outlook for for a couple of years. And then I went back to becoming a human resources executive, but but bringing those two perspectives together, like taking the the, the seemingly soft topics, mm-hmm. and then looking at them with a very quantitative angle and, and trying to measure those those soft topics that actually make make an organization go. This is something that I'm really interested in. This is also why I became interested in uh, positive psychology, because I think that when you you think about positive psychology, oftentimes people think, oh, what what you're telling me and what you're researching is not really new. And I say, well, you're right. But uh, taking all these topics like well-being and satisfaction and, and team chemistry and really looking at this through the hardlands of science and, and trying to make things quantifiable and, and, and really well trying to measure these, these phenomena. This is what I'm, what I'm interested in. And this is where I also came upon this, this idea of energy and, and relational energy. So energy that is created in conversation between people And and yes, there are ways to to manage that, and there are ways to kind of visualize how this energy flows through an organization and how it really kind of leaves a single conversation and then moves through the organization. This is something that I find uh, highly cool and highly interesting. So it really started out with my my dual background and then bringing in positive psychology. And that's when I really uh, got slacked up with that topic.
0: I can really sense the energy, <laughs> energy <laughs> of you when you talk about the energy. Uh, and, and you kind of defined uh, the relational energy already a bit, uh, that it happens in conversations, in interactions, right. and, and all that. And we also find it that it, it's especially for the leaders, it's essential to realize and be aware of these, these things.
1: Definitely. Uh,
0: yeah. And and thinking about leaders, um, if we think, what would be important for them to know and explore?
1: Well, I think it always starts with awareness. So I think that leaders should get more and more aware that this kind of energy exists in the first mm-hmm. place and that it shapes how successful they, they might be first in terms of what kind of energy they will bring to to a system but also in terms of what kind of energy they are fostering within the conversations that might happen between their their team members because as I'm 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 from Germany obviously Germans are typically perceived to be very rational and also if you look at at our business environment, it's, it's very much shaped, you know, by engineering thinking, you know, where we like to build machines and cars and stuff. So sometimes being a manager in Germany is all about being rational and efficient. And uh, these these emotional ingredients that also shape how you are effective or not effective as a leader, might sometimes be seen as a distraction rather than as as a resource, and I I try to make people aware of the fact that this energy can be a resource if you use it the right way. So it's not something that you kind of should should dampen, but it's something that you should actually amplify in in, in the right direction, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're kind of on on the si- same track. You you and us. Um given that what we help our clients, our leaders, our leadership teams, or you know, larger teams to to first realize that that's a great resource to understand your own energy, of course, what you bring, how it turns out in the relations, but as you say, in the system, you are very interested in the collective version of energy, organizational energy. Am I, Am I right?
1: Yeah, that's basically, I would say, the other side of the coin. So we can look at this construct of energy on different, as we, as we say, construal levels in, in, in research. So you can first look at purely the individual. And an individual can be more or less energized. And this might uh, depend on, for example, the task that you present a person with. If you find a task that the person really cares about, she will feel bursts burst of energy as compared to when when they don't care about the task. Mm. Then you have the relational quality, which is uh, energy that is created or also can be sort of depleted within conversation between two people, between three people. This is where where leadership comes in. And then you can even take that to the next level, like to the to the macro level where you can actually measure an organization's energy. And then you can find out that there are different, I would say, states within an organization. My, my colleague from uh, St. Gallen, Heike Bruch, she's done a lot of research on that, where she can sort of a, um, measure, first of all, the intensity of the quality within the organization. And then she also looks at the, at the quality. And, in, in the best case, you have a state where there is high positive energy within the organization, which means that people, they, they want to get work done. They, they feel good about what they do. Um, at the worst, you have this, this state where basically people are feeling depleted and they don't really care about what they do. And also they don't want to um, invest a lot of energy. And then sometimes you can also have what they call corrosive energy. So high intensity, but basically an intensity that doesn't really feel good for people, which is something that might lead to, to burnout in the long run. And on the other hand, they also look at this state where they say, well, there's a lot of positive energy, but it's not of high intensity. And then they call that uh, a comfortable Passivity and ideally, obviously you want to reach that um, that angle where you have high intensity but also high quality or positive quality in your organization, and this is what they would then say is is also a high performing organization right mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. and this this is a very very good model for organizational energy and and also the top right corner with with the productive innovative energy they also have very good clarity and focus they know where they are going and and all that and we have also noticed that uh, you can be there for a while then you need to kind of reload and go up again because it's very consuming to be so high performing so effective and and all that so it's it, it really th- this also starts with the awareness where you are at yeah and where where are you moving
1: yeah yeah there's another very uh famous uh, psychology researcher from germany a much more accomplished researcher than i am her name is uh, sabine sonnentag which actually means sunday which is nice mm-hmm. <laughs> and she um, she researches especially uh, the value of of taking breaks and of regeneration for for managers and for leaders and she she researches this link of the the quality of of one's personal regeneration um, which which then kind of influences how you work in the next week or in the next month and she she finds these very um interesting effects like where when you are not regenerating well enough, obviously you go stressed to your work on the next day or the next work period. But since you uh, you don't have regenerated enough, you don't really produce your best work, which kind of increases your, your workload and you get more stressed out. The more stressed out, the less you ge- regenerate in the next cycle. So it's like this, this vicious cycle of, of not regenerating and I really like this idea that probably we could see the same thing on the organizational level right
0: yeah yeah and it's like with this uh aura sleeping uh data rings uh, yeah. they they say that the day starts with the night so yeah how you slept how how you reload it during the night affects to your day Tell so it really starts <laughs> yeah <laughs> that is that is so true okay if the leader is aware of, uh, that I have these kind of things in my organization whether I have the corrosive energy or the innovative energy what's next where should I go where should I start what should I do uh, yeah
1: so if hmm. you if you look at the research and if you really look at when people perceive their individual leader to be kind of supplying positive relational energy versus negative relational energy uh, it really I mean this this is all very new so there's not like like thousands of studies out there this is something that came into being 15 years ago and it's still like like a niche research topic but there's some studies out there and actually the the one construct that they've pinned down right now that really enhances uh, the presence of relational energy with, within the leader's interaction is actually being humble. So if you, are, if you are the leader but you don't care too much about that you are uh, the leader, that you are rather laid back even when you are in power, this is uh, something where they find out uh, that's really strengthens the, uh, the amount of relational energy that is felt when you have conversations with a leader, so it's it's about being relaxed. It's about not making a big fuss out of the the fact that you are uh, the leader. And I, I, so I I've looked into some of my charts to prepare for this conversation, and I remembered that I um I have a couple of quotes from a professor named Robert Sutton. He's a, a management legend researcher uh, from Stanford. <laughs> he became rather famous, I would say, 15 years ago for writing these books on, on assholes. So he wrote the book, The, the No Asshole Rule. And uh, sorry, I'm swearing here but, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I looked at one of the charts and I found something which I found really interesting. And he actually, he, he links not being an asshole to providing relational energy so he was trying to to give a crisp definition of how and when we say somebody else is an ape. and he says exactly that he says somebody that where we would say this guy is an asshole, mm-hmm. somebody that is demeaning that is not being respectful and a respectful uh, obviously has to do with seeing somebody, like really seeing somebody, and then the other person is, is looking back at me and I see that the other person... This is actually the, 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 the word stem, comes from, from spectrum from, from seeing something. The respect is really about noticing somebody and then the other person noticing me uh, as, as a person, not only in my, in my role, And then the third quality that he cites actually is about um, not robbing other people of their energy by being demeaning or being disrespectful. So he directly links assholes to robbing other people of their energy. I I found that interesting. So if you turn that around, obviously, you get a lot of hints on what you could do instead, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think this perfectly matches with, with that part of the research where they say it's, it's about being humble. And what they also find out, this is a very, very new study, I think it was carried out by some researchers in China. They said that, and, and I, I, I totally find that makes sense, the more powerful you are, like the more uh, up you are in the hierarchy or the more important you are within that system or organization, the more the being humble becomes important. So the, the bigger the, the power distance, so to speak, the more it is important that you portray this, this humbleness in order to not drain energy from other people, because the, the hierarchy and the power distance, they, they, this will interfere with that um, sort of energetic process. And so the more important you are, the more important it is to kind of, uh, well, not make a fuzz about that distance.
2: <laughs> mm. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, when, you, when you've researched things, you know, you've done, you've done lots yourself as well, and you have had this interest in these soft issues, which actually are hard, as you said, or the core things. So, have you noticed why, you know, some research results? Why is it important to to create good anabolic, constructive energy at work? What are the kind of the hard yeah. facts?
1: Well, I'm I'm interested in business organizations. I'm I'm mostly interested in for-profit organizations. This is what I've done. All my life before becoming a professor so I'm, I'm looking at that anger right now I'm looking at profitability I'm looking at reaching targets and so on and mm-hmm. um, what you will constantly see in a research is that relational energy really seems to be a fuel for job engagement so if you measure relational energy and, and you can do that there's questionnaires for that Uh, at point one and then you measure work engagement at point two and you measure uh, success in different ways at point three you will find that there is a link between the three so the energy seems to fuel future job uh, engagement and the job engagement will then transfer to being uh, measurable in in job performance at, at different levels So this is something that you can see. And then the other thing which I found highly interesting is um, they've also uh, conducted tons of interviews with people. Again, the research is still at a pretty early point in time. There's some um, quantitative research, but there's also some qualitative research where they just interview people and how how does it feel for you? What, What does it do to you? And what they find out is that when people feel that other people in the organization are draining them of their energy. So let's make this very practical. Everybody knows somebody where they say, okay, if if I have an appointment with that person tomorrow at 10 o'clock, I I dread that appointment from from the evening before. I sleep less well. So there are some people where you know, okay, if I have an interaction with them, uh, I'd rather not. And this is, this is actually true, and you can measure that, and this will have uh, consequences over time. So, for example, when you know there's somebody who has important information for me that I need to get my job done, sometimes people still choose to avoid that person because they know afterwards I, I will be drained of my energy for the rest of the day. So they actively choose to, to not get informed about certain things uh, and, and they forgo that, that conversation in order to preserve their energy, which actually means that if you allow lots of people in your, your system that drain people of their energy, you probably will see less information sharing less helping behavior less organizational citizenship behavior over time this is not something that happens right away but you, you will probably see this over time and and this is probably uh, the most dangerous effect and i i i have no no research to to prove this point but i i got very much interested in this construct a couple of years ago because If you look at the items that are measured to use relation, I'm reading some of them to you right now. So one item, there's a scale out there, which was created by um, Bradley Owens and a couple of his associates. Uh, Some of these items are, uh, I feel invigorated when I interact with this person or after interacting with this person, I feel more energy to do my work. And then you can sort of agree to these statements to mm. uh, more or less degree. My idea is that when you look at these items very closely, oftentimes it may not be the superstars and the high performers in your organization that get tons of money that are really the energy suppliers. It might be people that work more in the background. It might be somebody who, who more or less works in, in an assistant role, like like the right hand of the boss, but he or she is really the, the person that keeps things together and she is the go-to person where other people go to when they need a burst of energy. And at, at the end of the day, I, I feel that we might have to value this kind of contribution much more than we do right now, also in terms of money. You know, we, we pay those people a lot of money that sign the contracts and that kind of acquire the customers and, and that are in the, you know, in the limelight. We probably don't value enough those people that supply everybody else with the energy to make these contributions possible. And so, and this is coming back to what I said in the beginning, being able to suddenly measure these seemingly small but consistent um, contributions to the success of the energy might also lead us to to value this this emotional contribution much more than we've done in the past
0: that is so true and this is really uh, business related things and and really uh, when when you talk about the job engagement uh, we hear a lot that this team is not uh, taking, uh, they are not accountable, they, they are not taking their uh, responsibilities, or people are even leaving the, the organization. What do we do? Oh, Should that, we uh, apply more money or, or what? Yeah. And, and we want to say them lead energy. <laughs> yeah.
1: this, is, this is also actually, thanks for mentioning that. Uh, this is also coming out of rather new studies. They find, like, it's, it's it's a link around several corners, to be fair, but there are some uh, signs that relational energy within an organization is linked to turnover behavior. So mm-hmm. uh, when people get a lot of energy out of the conversations, out of the interactions, they are less prone to thinking about leaving the company. So it might also be something about uh, retention and obviously recruiting and hiring headhunters is very expensive, I know that because I've done that in my previous life mm-hmm. so um, there might be some very tangible links to things that are very costly for uh, for organizations and especially losing uh, people that actually would like to stay but they, they leave because of a perceived bad quality of of, of their of their leaders this people totally I would say even people in in HR totally underestimate how much it costs an organization to to replace somebody who was a variable uh, contributor and he didn't want to leave there's there's researchers out there that say when when you look at like the, the the total costs and also the total loss of productivity you know sometimes it takes a long time until you find replacement then this person has to be trained and depending on the nature of the job and the nature of the organization sometimes it takes two to three years until the replacement is really up to speed they find that when you when it's hard but when you try to really do an overall calculation of the cost and also of the loss in productivity uh, depending on the nature of the job it costs up to four four times the annual salary of that person. It's not with each and every role. If, if you're packaging parcels at Amazon, that's something else because that's easier to replace. But for a highly skilled job that's hard to find and that's hard to, to do good, it will cost uh, the, the company up to four times the annual salary. That, that's a lot of money. And a lot of mm-hmm. that actually could be prevented for lots less money, for example, through leadership coaching at an earlier point in time. That's mm-hmm. definitely not four times. I mean, I, I, I don't know about the, the cost for coaching in, in Finland. In Germany, it's not four times the annual salary. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yep. Well, that's so very true that, you know, not letting things go that far addressing mm-hmm. them earlier, providing support and coaching and, and training leaders uh, on, on themes like how, what is energy at work? What is relational, how does it, how do you make sure that the relational energy in your team or in, in your unit is good? But talking about these things is the first step, not being afraid because it takes courage. For some reason, it's, it's okay to let somebody be a bully in an organization as long as that person is bringing money instead of having the courage to saying stop this is not benefiting the system you're actually contributing to the collective energy in a negative manner but you can't say these things unless you can you understand them a little bit but they are not that difficult to understand
1: They, they are not but you've touched on a very important point Oftentimes, organizations choose to retain people if they are individual high performers. They they don't look at the mm. network effects, and this is uh, what I also try to convey to my my HR colleagues. If I now talk, I'm sometimes invited to talk at HR conferences. And you know how, I'm not sure if it's that bad in Finland, but I think it's a pretty global phenomenon that people say HR is not important and you're not strategic and you're not providing additional whatever effects to uh, to the company's performance. And I always say like, sorry, I'm, I'm swearing again, but no, nobody else besides HR has sort of the knowledge and the power to weed out the assholes The Hmm. individual line manager is not going to do it because he likes the individual performance You're the only ones that have probably the knowledge and the resources Also through through leadership development To to take care of these things and if you really saw this as your one of your main tasks yes, obviously you have to pay people on time and you have to write the contracts but if you would really take on the responsibility and, and this is hard, but it's manageable, of keeping especially the leadership uh, floors more or less asshole free, you will have contributed so much to your company's uh, value, especially in the long term. But then, I mean, you have to assume the responsibility. You have to you have to say this is this is how we want to do it this is our responsibility as HR and this is how you earn your your place at the table. And what, what I'm trying to contribute right now is to at least around some corners show them the numbers and show them the numbers in terms of, well, numbers that are also interesting to CFOs and CEOs because at the end of the, and it's okay, they care about, you know, they care about the bottom line, they care about shareholder value, and this is something where I try to, to work on uh, taking these soft topics, seemingly soft topics, mm-hmm. and trying to put them in, in a language that is understood by, by CFOs, So and and, and it, it's there. And if then HR would take on the responsibility and say, yes, this is our job, this is our contribution, they would have a much greater impact. And there are organizations that do that, but it's still... Too few of them. I think that would be a very valuable contribution that HR departments could make. Sorry about the swearing, but. <laughs> <laughs> that, that
0: that's fine. Um, we we have spent good half an hour. Um, uh, but but is there anything else that? Um, uh, anything else we would like to bring up, uh, either of you, before we take the the closing steps. Uh, that would be, that would be great to hear. Um, I'll tell our listeners that, um, uh, you find more information about Nico Rose, uh, from his LinkedIn profile. So get connected. And, uh, from, from us, you find more information in energycoaching.fi. And now it would be great to hear, uh, whatever you have in mind to leave to our listeners, Nicole if right. yeah. there's a lot to say, but <laughs>
1: yeah. still. So maybe uh, because I've, I've talked about research so much, let me just briefly tell you how I tried to manage some of that space that we've just talked about while I was still a, a vice president at, at the former company. Mm hmm. Um, because here's the important thing, and we've talked about awareness. Oftentimes, especially, I, I don't want to put up cliches here, but I think it's true. Sometimes, especially men, they don't notice when they are draining other, other people of their energy. So I, I think most women are much more in tune with what's happening with other people. And so uh, I found this really, not that it was kind of, Pleasant, but I found it very helpful that at some point my team was actually Actively showing me when I was disrespectful and when I was draining them of their energy and it is true oftentimes I didn't really know that I was doing this and at some point when we were working together for for two or three years uh, I think I was able to create this environment. This also has to do with with psychological safety, mm-hmm. where people felt that they were allowed to, to tell me that, you know, and and people approached me and said, okay, you know, what you said to me and how you said X to me, in in the meeting last week. This was not really nice, and I would like to uh, to have that a little bit differently in in the future, but coming to that point where people feel safe enough to tell you that as a leader, I think this this is the hard part. And what what I did back then is, uh, again, this is inspired by by positive psychology, I asked my team uh, to write me an email every, I think, every second Friday. This was our Friday email. Email is very boring these days, but we were... We were not using Slack, and we were still at, at different points of the world all the time, so we used email. That's why I also mm-hmm. chose email for that. But it was actually, I said, this is the last thing I want you to do be, before you turn down your, to, to turn off your laptop on, on Friday afternoon. First thing was just um, give me your general satisfaction. On, on a scale from 1 to 10, how were your, your last two weeks altogether? And then you can see where the person is, is going right now. This was not so much about uh, inter-individual differences, but you can see the intra-individual differences over time. And then sometimes you see, okay, maybe there's something wrong. Maybe I, I need to have a conversation with that person. It's just very helpful in general. Um, the second thing is also something that you find in positive psychology a lot. And this in itself creates a lot of relational energy. Uh, we, we call it what went well. So tell me three good things from your from your last two weeks, things that you are proud of, things that, uh, you know, projects that you've managed or cool candidates that you've learned on board. Uh, and just by inviting people to tell you that you create positive energy between the two. So and yeah, I'm, I'm listening mm-hmm. to you. And, and also what I found really interesting for the long run is you find out a lot about what people value in themselves and value in their work. You know, we work 40 or 45 hours per week. Mm -hmm. Not everything is equally important to a person. If you ask Mm -hmm. them to tell you as the leader regularly what is important in your work, what you like, you learn so much about a person's strength, which you can then use in the long run to show appreciation on, on a much deeper level. But here's the last thing, the last thing I asked them, I, I just called that make a wish. So if there's anything that bothers you right now at your work, with your work, with me as your leader, please, you can send me that in an email on Friday and I will promise you, like really, I promise you, if it's legal and on budget, <laughs> I mean, you have to frame it a little bit, but the first mm-hmm. thing that I'll do on, on Monday morning when I come in, I, I try to take care of that. And some people used that right away, and they said, OK, I need this and this, and they also gave me feedback. But some people, obviously, depending on their learning history, were very reluctant. They might have worked in an environment where it was very dangerous to criticize the, the, the leader. Mm. And so for a couple of weeks, they would they would give me their satisfaction and they would give me the uh, what went well and then make a wish. no oh, it's fine. Next time, satisfaction, what went well, make a wish, no, oh, no, I'm fine. And hmm. I, I, I just kept coming back and insisting. And then over time, things would, would loosen up a little bit. And then they would test me. I think there was a test where they said, <laughs> well, very first thing, I need a new pencil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that was a test. If if I mm-hmm. if I really mean it, and I I I got that pencil for her, and it was a that <laughs> mm-hmm. Then things started to to uh to get serious, and it took probably another four to five months. And then at that point, also this person would basically give me feedback on my leadership performance. It took at least mm-hmm. half a year. And again, this was not always very, very pleasant because uh, well, I, I was a young leader, I, I, I'm a man, I'm, I think I'll, <laughs> I'm the best. So uh, it's not always <laughs> easy to get this critical feedback, but it's the only uh, one of the very few ways to, to actually notice what you're doing and then to improve on that. And we've kept that process, this email process intact for about two years up to that point where i thought now okay this was a tool to create an atmosphere within me but also within the team and at at a certain point i think we didn't use that that tool anymore we didn't need it anymore but it it took about two years and so I'm, i'm not recommending everybody out there to um to write a lot of emails this can be done in in a lot of different ways I think it's just important, especially if you are in a leadership person, uh, in a leadership position, to, to signal that you are open to, to that kind of feedback and that you are open to, to this kind of sometimes also negative feedback because mm-hmm. especially sometimes men, we, we, we sometimes don't notice when we are being assholes. So finding, finding a way to keep that feedback loop open in, in a way that feels safe for, uh, for your people. I think that was one of the most crucial leadership learnings I've, I've had in, in my own time. as So this was not a very crisp statement, but I think it was <laughs> important.
0: Very, very important and, and so, sounds really from anabolic energy. Thank you so much, Nico and uh, thank you for our listeners and we'll get back with leading energy again
1: thank you thanks